great Egyptian leader stood face to face with his former captors, the ones who had sought to destroy his life when he was a child. But now he, Joseph, the son of Jacob, was in a position of supreme power. And his brothers were in his hands. Emotions flooded back over this young ruler, remembering the physical pain that he had endured, the abandonment and betrayal by his own brothers, and the separation from the father that he loved. Everything in his life had been ripped out of his hands. But now, now the opportunity to right those wrongs belonged to him. And as Joseph raised his scepter of power with the ability to crush his brothers like pawns, instead, his hands came to rest on their shoulders. And he said, don't be afraid. For never will I assume the role of the Lord. What you meant for harm, God has used for good. The greatness of the powerful is revealed in restraint. Today, as we continue our series called Reflection, we're going to be looking at the virtue of meekness, character of power. George Washington Carver, the scientist who was credited with, with inventing 100 or, or rather hundreds of uses for the peanut, is credited with saying that when he was young, he prayed to the Lord and said, God, show me the mysteries of the universe, to which God responded and said, that knowledge is reserved for me alone. And so Carver responded and said, okay, Lord, then show me the mystery of the peanut, to which the Lord said, now, George, that is more your size. <laughs> Meekness, as my father would say, is not getting too big for your britches. God's word tells us in the Old Testament book of Zephaniah, you can follow along with me on the screen, it says, seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, that have kept his ordinances. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. Now, I think that we like to trumpet the first part. Seek righteousness. Can I get an amen? That sounds like a just godly word, doesn't it? Righteousness. Seek it. Yes, amen, brother. Seek meekness. No, hold on a second. What? The Lord calls us to seek after this attribute of power that we often confuse because meekness is actually a power virtue that is often confused with weakness. But meekness is actually a manly virtue. Happy Father's Day. This message might hit you between the eyes, men, because God looks at you with great confidence and he has, he has, he has empowered you with great authority, but he's looking for meekness in you. I hope you squirm a little bit today in our sermon. God is adamant that his people possess meekness. Few of us actually see meekness as a desirable attribute because most people who look at meekness in this way would see somebody as timid or shy or bashful or maybe a person who is 
introverted. But this is completely incorrect view of the New Testament word for meekness. Because on the contrary, meekness is one of the strongest attributes that a person can possess. Because meekness is control. So as we unpack this virtue today, let's look at the definition of meekness that's found in Strong's Dictionary. And it reads that meekness is a disposition that is even-tempered, a balanced in spirit, and it has its passions under control. See, the word was not actually an indication of weakness, but rather power under control. Control And the person who possesses this quality rules his spirit well. Now, I really like this. It's a person who is under control and rules his spirit well. Men, can that be said of you? Women, I'm going to throw you in there because you're here today too. Can that be said of you? Do you rule your spirit well? Do you have meekness? The Greek term for meekness is preotis, and it actually has its roots in the domestication of animals. So today, we would hear things like a horse that's been broken, meaning that the animal has learned to accept control from its master. It's not to snuff out its spirit, but rather to bridle it. And from there, the term was extended to include people who are controlled bridled in their behavior powerful yet under control so what we're going to look at today there's two different attributes to this virtue and there's the internal trait something you have to possess and then there is the external exercise so in other words in order for you to fulfill this character in your life you must possess the trait of meekness and you must use it you must exercise it the story is told of a little boy who his father had had to lecture him for not being nice to his sister. And so the father says, son, we all need love inside of us. To which the little boy replied, but daddy, it is in me. I'm just having a hard time getting it out. Now listen, don't we all resonate with that? I know it's in me. I just have a hard time getting these traits out. But that's what we're talking about today, is this trait of meekness that we may possess, but God is also calling us to exercise it. To exercise it. So there's a trait of meekness, and then there's the exercise of meekness. The Full Life Study Bible defines meekness as restraint coupled with power. Okay, I want you to get this picture. Restraint coupled with power. Because restraint is the trait that we need to possess. It is the, the, the trait of control, restraint. Power, on the other hand, could be called the theater of operation. Because the exercise of meekness requires power to be present. It's restraint in power. For example, if a big boy hits a little boy and the little boy endures it quietly because he has no other option he's actually not meek he simply can do nothing about it however if the little boy 
pummels the big boy, and the big boy has the power, the ability to break that little boy in half, yet he bears it quietly, that is an example of meekness. Power under control. Power is the theater of operation for meekness, and that means that the higher up in the corporate ladder you go, the higher up in the family org chart you go, the more power that you possess, the greater the opportunity for meekness in your life. I'll tell you where many people misunderstand this word. The word meekness is often translated gentleness in Scripture. Not always, but oftentimes, as you read through Scripture, the word gentleness is actually the same Greek word for meekness. That's because they do come from the same Greek word. So in the same way that meekness is misinterpreted as weakness, oftentimes gentleness is assumed to mean soft. But gentleness is not impotence, it's restraint. So we use the word gentleness, we use it appropriately when there is the potential for harm or overexertion. So let me give you a couple examples. We say, be gentle with those eggs because you could break them. Shut the door gently because you could slam it. Push gently on the gas. Anybody teaching their kids how to drive right now, okay? You tell your kids to be gentle when you're at the petting zoo. You tell your kids to be gentle when they're hugging grandma. I tell my son Braden to be gentle all the time because he's an 11-year-old boy and there's always the potential for harm. Be gentle. It requires power to be gentle. Story is told of a, a, a guide who was taking a group of visitors through a factory and one of the things that he showed them was this incredibly powerful steam hammer that crushed automobiles. And he walked up to the steam hammer and he placed a walnut on it and the operator lowered that hammer down just to the point where it cracked the shell but didn't damage the meat at all. And this is actually an incredible picture of what gentleness is. Incredible power under incredible control. Again, men, God believes in you. He has empowered you. He's looking for gentleness. He's looking for meekness in your life. He's adamant that you possess it. You see, we all possess power of some kinds. We possess the power to cause joy in somebody's life. We possess the power to cause fear in somebody's life. We possess the power to bring harm or to bring peace. We all, somehow, we possess some kind of power. And God is greatly concerned with how you use that power. So we all possess power, but the question is, do we possess restraint? Do we, do we possess control? Do we possess meekness? James 4, chapter, verse 6, tells us that God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the meek and the humble. He is against those who are proud and arrogant and haughty. He gives grace to those who are meek, controlled, and humble. 
God is greatly concerned with how you use your power. And that's why meekness is a virtue that God said that we're blessed if we possess it and that we ought to pursue it. Men, are you pursuing meekness in your life? Women, are you pursuing control? Let's, let's talk about this. I, I gave the edited version in the first service. You're going to get the unedited version, okay? This is, this is good stuff. Women, let's talk about emotions. Now, I'm not going to step over this line because I know there's an incredible line that you don't want to stop step over with women when you're talking about emotions. But let me say this. Scripture, Paul talks about women who are controlled, self-controlled. It's the same word, the same Greek root for this word meekness. Controlled in your emotions. When your emotions are out of control... It's the same issue that men often have with their power being out of control. Meekness. Men, God's looking for it in you. Women, God's looking for it in you. I better get back to my notes now. Okay, there's a few things that you can do with power. There's, there's three things we'll talk about real, real quickly. Um, you can defy power. You can come against it. Defy power, and it often leads to rebellion. Or you can demand power, and dictators do this all the time. They abuse power. The third thing, and this is where we're going, is you can defer power. What does deference mean? Deference is when you willingly submit your authority to a decision maker in your life. In my job and in my life in general, I've realized that I might not be the best one to make every decision. Women, how many men have you ever heard say that? <laughs> I might not be the best one, right? Here's the deal. I, I have learned this. I, I heard Andy Stanley say this one time. He said, there's a difference between having the power to do something and being the right one to do it, okay? So here, here's a, a great illustra illustration. I defer to my wife a lot. In fact, if you come up to me, um, uh, when it comes to a calendar especially, if you were to come up and say, hey, Patrick, would you guys like to get together on Tuesday night? I would say, honey, okay, I mean, totally makes sense. Honey, I'm deferring to you. That's right. Now listen, this is how I see the scripture when it talks in Proverbs 3, verses 6, and it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Are you deferring to the Lord? Lord, you're a better decision maker than I am. I know you gave me the authority but I'm deferring to you. You're a better decision maker. Will you direct my paths? You can defy authority, you can or you can defy power, you can demand it, or you can defer your power. And that's where we're headed today. Because here's what we've all seen. I know I'm not alone in this. We've met people who have pride in their hearts. Don't point at anybody and don't feel any condemnation right now, right? We've all met people who have pride in their hearts, and it oftentimes is a trait that, that people possess even if they don't exercise it. You probably have met somebody like this. They believe that they know better than everyone else. Maybe you've heard your dad say something like, it's my way or the highway. Anybody said that? Well, no, don't raise your hand, okay? Anybody heard that before? It's my way or the highway, okay? I know better than anyone else. If pride rather than meekness dwells inside of your heart. 
First of all, Scripture says man looks on the outward appearance. We may not see it, but God looks on the heart, and God is greatly concerned with what's in your heart. Why is that? Well, there's a number of reasons, but what we're looking at today is the fact that as you enter into the theater of operation, power activates whatever is in your heart. And if good is there, it becomes great. If bad is there, it becomes evil. If pride or arrogance is there, people become dictators. They abuse it. That's why God is greatly concerned with what's in your heart. Because as you step into power, as you step into authority, it will activate whatever is in your heart. So today, as we talk about this, this character trait, this virtue of, of meekness, you're going to, to see that meekness is not something that we can generate in our own flesh. It, scripture actually calls it a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that, that comes from the work of God's Spirit in our lives. And if you've ever encountered this artificial or, or uh, manufactured kind of meekness, you'll, you'll remember that it probably seemed really phony. It seemed fake because only God can make you meek. In fact, Scripture does call it a, a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, here it comes, there's going to be a list here, the fruit of the Spirit, what the Spirit does in your life, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's long-suffering. These are things that we don't naturally come by, things that God has to do in us. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, here it is, meekness and self-control. The very act of us submitting our will to the Father is what releases the fruit of the Spirit in our life. So, so guys, here's, here's one of those things that, oh man, we struggle with, and I'm, I'm in the boat with you, okay? I'm not preaching at you, I'm, I'm preaching at, at us right now, okay? Submitting our power is something that we struggle with in life. All men, all across the world, all throughout history. We struggle with submitting our authority. It may look different in your life. It may look different in different situations, but we struggle with it. But here is the key to this. If you want the fruit of the Spirit to come forth in your life, it starts with you submitting your power and your authority to your Creator. When you say, God, you know better, I submit to you. What you do is you open up this pipeline for the Spirit of God to start just unloading this fruit of the Spirit in your life. And when you need meekness, when you desire meekness, when you recognize that God has entrusted great power to you, but he wants you to be controlled and you need meekness, it starts with you submitting your power and your authority to your Creator. And allowing the Spirit of God to do what He desires in your life. Because this meekness, this virtue, is kind of like courage we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's a catalyst that activates other character traits in your life. Okay, listen. Meekness is restraining your power. It's control. So you need meekness to display patience. You need meekness to display mercy. 
You need meekness to display humility. You need meekness to display self-control. You need meekness in your life to activate these other character traits. And you're going to see throughout this series how all these virtues work hand in hand. And God is doing a masterpiece in you. It's not a little thing. God is doing a work. And it's a beautiful, strong work that he's wanting to accomplish. Meekness is huge. And so it starts by submitting yourself first to the lordship of Jesus Christ, giving the spirit of God control. This is what scripture calls living by the spirit. You ever read that before? Scripture talks about it numerous times. We're called to live by the spirit. What is that? That's giving control to the spirit of God. You're a better decision maker than me. You know better than I do. I'm submitting my power and my authority and control to the Spirit of God, and I'm going to be led by the Spirit. I'm going to live my life by the Spirit of God. So here's what we're going to look at. There are two objects of meekness in our life. Two objects of meekness. Our meekness towards God and our meekness towards humanity. We're going to talk about those. Now, as you look at your notes today, we have a record number of blanks. Did you guys notice that? Okay, record number of blanks. Uh, Ten blanks, but we're not going to dwell on them very quickly. I'm going to move through these quickly, and so you're going to need to write them down because I'll be on the next one if you diddle a little bit, okay? We're moving pretty quick through this. Meekness towards God. Look what, what Micah, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 8 says. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Here comes his list. Do justly. Love mercy. To walk humbly, it's the same Greek root, meekness with your God. How do you walk in meekness before the Lord? That's what we're going to look at, and there's five things here. See, God is totally sovereign. I don't think any of us argue that. Totally in control, all-powerful, and yet your free will remains intact. He's given you the power to choose. God has given that to you. And yet, as we talked about earlier, we've recognized we're not always the best decision maker. Right? We're not always, he's given us the power to choose, but we're not always the best one to choose. Meekness towards God says, Lord, you're the best one to make this call, and I trust you with it. So here's five different ways we're going to look at these different situations in life. The first is when faced with decisions. Psalm chapter 25, verse 9 tells us that God will guide the meek into what is right. And he'll teach him his way. 25.12 says, fear the Lord and he will instruct you in the way that you should choose. This great story of, of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles. All of these kings come towards Jehoshaphat, going to attack him. And, and he doesn't know what to do. And this is a great response for all of us. He says, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Because when it comes to making decisions on what I need to do in this critical moment, you are a way better decision maker than I am. So I'm going to put my eyes on you, and I'm, this, this is your call. It's your decision. When faced with decisions, meekness bows its knee and says, I'll follow your lead, Lord. The second one, when faced with delays, does this sound familiar in your life? How long, O oh Lord, will you wait to act? How long, O oh Lord, must I endure this? How long, O oh Lord, will my enemies rise up against me? How long will this situation last? That is exactly what David cried in Psalm chapter 13 
but then he wrapped it up. He, he comes full circle. This is what I love about David. He's just, he's, it's honesty. It's his heart on the table in front of you, but he always comes back to being centered in the Lord. He, so he, he, he shares all this. He pours it out to the Lord, and then he says, but I trust you. I trust you. This is what meekness does. When you're faced with delays and you question God's timing, meekness says, in your time, Lord, I trust you. The third one, when faced with difficulty. How many of you guys have ever faced difficulty in your life? Oh, come on, like two people actually raised their hands, right? Everybody's writing. That's what it was. Okay, you got me. You got me. I told you to move quickly. When faced with difficulty, the story of Job, I wrestle with this all the time. This is what Job says. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You guys ever wrestled with that? When faced with difficulty in, in your life, we don't understand why. We don't understand why. Why God allows certain difficulties to filter through his fingers and to fall into our life. But Job said, even though I still trust you. See, meekness is, is again, it's submitting your, your power, it's submitting your authority to a better decision maker. And, and it doesn't mean you don't question things, but you still trust. Even when difficulty comes your way, meekness says, God, it's, it's you. I trust in you. My time is in your hand. The next one, when faced with discouragement, David writes again, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Why so downcast? Why so discouraged? Why so disappointed? Why so frustrated? Trust in him. And this is what meekness does. Again, it's submitting to the Lord. This is our, our relation. How do, we, how do we show meekness to God? God, I trust you. I trust you in my discouragement even. Because meekness doesn't place confidence in the flesh. Meekness places confidence and hope in God alone. The last one, when faced with discipline. What happens when God brings discipline into your life? Do you attempt to justify it? Do you argue? Here's a great story of David, King David at this point. In Psalm 51, he's confronted with a major sin in his life. And he, and he just breaks and he weeps and he falls before the Lord. And he says, against you, I've sinned. Forgive me. Make me new. He didn't attempt to justify. He didn't give excuses. He said, God... Your discipline is something, and he writes later about this, that I desire. Correct me. Straighten me out. I trust you. So when we see this meekness in our lives towards the Lord, it leads to meekness in our lives towards mankind. And that's the second object here that we're going to talk about, the object of our meekness. How do we show meekness towards mankind now? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says this, I beseech you. To walk worthy of the calling wherewith you were called, with all lowliness and meekness. I don't like that. It doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound strong. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't sound manly. Let's be honest here, okay? Lowliness and meekness. With long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Spencer talked in just a few minutes ago about Jesus's modeling of, uh, for us of washing his disciples' feet. 
the greatest power in the world that was submitted to the will of the Father. And Jesus said, I'll go as low as I possibly can to show you what love and what real power looks like. Men, God's calling you to meekness, submitting yourself to him and to serving one another. So we're going to look at these. Here's some areas of meekness towards mankind. The first one is in leadership. In leadership, there's this great passage where Jesus is talking to his disciples in, in the book of Matthew. And he says, now you know the, you know the rulers of the Gentiles, these guys in authority, they, they, they flaunt their authority over you. And the great men exercise their power over everybody. But it is not to be that way among you. Listen to that. This is not what I've called you to. For whoever wishes to become great amongst you must be submitted. They must be a servant. Just as the Son of Man himself didn't come to be served, but to serve. Why did God give you authority? Why did he give you power? I oftentimes refer to, to husbands, to fathers as kings. I think it's actually a great example Dad, you're, you're the king of your home. Why did God give you that kingship? Why did he give you the power and the authority? Is it so that everybody would serve you? You are the king. Or is it possibly that God has called you, men, to be the provider, to be the protector, to be the servant, of all of those that he has entrusted to you in your family and your kingdom. God's appointed you as a king. He's given you power to be a servant. Not to exercise it, not to be a dictator, not to abuse it, but to control it and to use it for purpose. Leadership. Meekness is the supreme virtue of leadership because without it power becomes tyranny the second one is in your relationships Romans 12 3 tells us don't think more highly of yourself than you ought I, I struggle with that one too can I just be honest with you guys there's a couple of passages in Scripture just today in this sermon that I wrestle with I re how much confidence can I have in myself I mean aren't, am I supposed to be self-confident I'm supposed to have this God esteem I'm supposed to to believe in myself but where's the line because Paul is saying that there's there's a line. There's a line here. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. He starts to unpack it a little bit in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. When I start to do things out of selfishness, when I start to do things out of conceitedness, I've, I've stepped over a line because now I think I deserve stuff. That goes beyond having confidence. But it says, with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. When God empowers you, he's calling you to humility. He's calling you in your relationships to be controlled, to be submitted in what you do. This especially shows up today, in, in Father's Day especially, in, in our family, in Colossians chapter 3, 
Paul lays out what meekness looks like in the family structure. Husbands, be gentle. There's the word for meekness. Be gentle, be meek towards your wife, be controlled. Listen, you may be the head of your home, but God has called you to be gentle towards your wife. Women, submit to your husbands. It's the same root here. Children, obey your parents. We'll skip that one, right? Um, that's a whole other message is what I mean on that, okay? It's the same thing. Like God, Paul lays out what meekness looks like, what this submission looks like in the family structure. God is greatly concerned with how you use your power in the home. Do you misuse it? Do you demand that things are done your way, or do you display meekness with your power? Third one is in society. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. It's being submitted to the rulers and authorities. To obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Romans 13 then tells us to, that submission to rulers and leaders is actually submission to God. Now listen, it's really easy for us, regardless of what side of the aisle you sit on, to gripe about whoever sits in the White House. It's really easy for us to complain about leaders and rulers. Some people like who stands behind the pulpit, some people don't. Some people like who's in city hall, some people don't. Whoever is, is, is aspires to leadership, there's gonna be some people that like them and some people that don't. But here's what it's talking about, submission. It's not saying that you gotta love them, but that we speak no evil of them, we're peaceable, we're gentle, we're showing humility. There's a respect, there's an honor, why? Because the Lord has called us to this. Because there's a character trait of meekness. And here's, here's what I, I talk about a lot with, with meekness. It's really difficult to just be meek in a couple of situations. Meekness, it, it permeates who you are. Either you're meek or you're not. And so when God wants to do a work of meekness in you, it's not just that he wants you to show meekness towards people you like. He's calling you to show meekness towards all humanity. And in here, this one's talking about society, our leadership structure, the government that we dwell in. What does that look like for you? The, the fourth one, in our discipline, how we discipline others, okay? Here's what Hebrews 5 says, gently, it's the same word here, gently or meekly correct those who have gone astray. Galatians 6.1 says, those who are caught in, store, in sin, restore them with meekness. It's not lashing out. It's saying, um, I'm going to use my controlled power to steer you towards reconciliation, to steer you towards um, healing, to steer you towards restoration. There's, there's meekness that comes with this. Um, the last one, in forgiveness. In forgiveness. Uh, Stephen, as he was waiting to be stoned uh, in the book of Acts, said, Lord, don't hold this against them. He, he had the the position to ask God to vindicate him, to, to come down and, and ask the angels to pick up stones and just obliterate everybody there. Paul used the same phrase when some of his followers just started to abandon him in 2 Timothy. God, don't hold this against them. Meekness is, is forgiveness. It's controlling your, your power, your right. We say we have the right to be angry. We have the right for justice. You know what those phrases mean? I don't have to forgive. 
Meekness is saying, I submit my power, I submit my authority, and I extend forgiveness. I extend forgiveness in my life. And that all leads us to this example that Jesus set for us, perfect power under perfect control. You see it all throughout the Gospels. Jesus, whose scripture says nothing was created without him, and that it was appropriate for him to consider himself as God, and yet he laid all that aside to become a man. He submitted it. He put all of his power and all of his authority down to become humanity. Jesus, who said, my food is to do the will of the Father and accomplish his work. I submit all of my power, all of my authority to the will of the Father. Jesus, who showed his disciples what real power looked like by washing their feet. Jesus, who prayed in the garden, Father, if it's possible, this is what I want. Let this cup pass for me. This is what I want to see happen. But nevertheless, not my will, yours be done. In fact, no better example of meekness can be found than that which was displayed by our Savior when he hung on the cross. With the power to come down. Just think about this. Jesus restrained his power on the cross. He had the authority, he had the right, he had the power to come down, but he chose to stay and endure it for you and for me. Isaiah 53, 7 says he was beaten, he was tortured, and he didn't say a word. Like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter, and he took it all in silence. He could have reacted. He could have lashed out. Scripture says he could have called thousands of angels. That, that is power. It's true authority. And what did he do? He restrained it. Why? you've never asked that question you're missing the boat he did it for you he displayed meekness the highest level because of his love for you and you understand why he now looks for that in his children he did it for the ones that he loved most but he did it also for the ones who didn't love him at all and he's asking for you, men, women. He's asking for you to show meekness, control, restraint, and all the power and the authority that he's given you. Every position, every title, everything that you have, everything that he's blessed you with, every position he's placed you in, he's done it with the expectation that you're going to exercise meekness that's why he said seek after it and when you find it you're blessed this morning if you have never submitted your life to the savior i want to give you an opportunity to do that because it was his meekness that covered over our weakness he did that for you and i just want to give you an opportunity today to accept that because it's something that we have to say yes or no to it's not something that automatically just happens in our life. We have to say yes, and we have to receive that, that meekness, that gift that he's given. So I'm going to ask you this morning, with heads bowed and eyes closed, this is a holy moment between you 
and God. If you're here today and you've never said yes, you've never submitted yourself to Jesus or given him control of your life, you've never asked him to be your savior, if you'd like to do that today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And you can pray something just as simple as this. Follow along with me if you would. Just say, Jesus, I thank you for your love for me. I thank you for your meekness towards me. Even in my imperfection, you chose to restrain all of your power and endure the cross for me. And God, I thank you that you, you sent your son Jesus for my sake. You gave your very best, and Jesus, you, you gave your very life for me, and I thank you for that. And today, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I, I submit myself to you. I give you control of my life, and today I declare you as my Lord and as my Savior, and I do this in your mighty name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I just want to give you a, a, an opportunity to respond. And, and here's, here's what we do on a regular basis here. We respond by, um, by saying <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean it, it sounds so simple, but I, I said yes to Jesus. It's the first time, or maybe it's the first time in a long time. Here's why that's, that's important, and here's why we see that as something that's absolutely powerful. We see church as a family. We see it as a, a community. We see it as, as what the book of Acts actually calls church. We do life together. And so we want to do this thing called um, salvation together. And if you prayed that prayer, you gave your life to the Lord, we want to come around you as a church. And we're not going to like surround you in a big group hug tonight, today. But what we do want to do is we want to surround you with our prayers. We want to encourage you. We want to do whatever we can to, to see you walk now in this new thing, this new life that God has for you. So if you take that connection card and on the back side of it, there's a box that says yes. And if you check that box, in just a couple of minutes, <clears throat> we're going to have some prayer teams up front. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you check that box, bring it to one of our prayer teams, and they'll, they'll start praying for you right away. Pass it on to the, to the staff and the church here. We want to start just praying and asking God to start just pouring his life into you in this new relationship that you have with him. Would you guys take a moment and congratulate those who prayed that prayer today? All right, let's say 1140. I told you guys I was giving you the unedited version today, okay? So I went a little bit over um, on time, but here's the thing. We're going to wrap it up now because it all comes down to this point. You've heard stories, you've heard scriptures, you've heard sermon points about meekness. But the question is, is it in you? Is it in you? It's a work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And it starts with you submitting your life to God and saying, you're a way better decision maker than me. And I want to see these things happen in my life. And I want to encourage you guys, in these next few moments, we're going to celebrate communion together. And there's going to be a time when you're sitting in your chairs for a few minutes here with really nothing to do except to reflect. And I want to encourage you to use that time to just say, God, I need a lot of help with this. This doesn't come natural for me. I need a lot of help with this. I need your Holy Spirit to help me be controlled and restrained in all of my power and all of the authority that you've given me. Men, this is a great prayer for you to pray today as we honor you as fathers today. 
God, help me use my power in an honorable way. If you guys would bow your heads, I just want to pray a closing prayer over all of us. Lord, thank you for uh, your great faith in us, <laughs> your trust, Lord. You, you, you empowered us because you loved us and you trusted us. But God, we want to we reflect your son. And we recognize that it's going to take a whole lot of work of your Holy Spirit inside of us. And so, God, that's what we ask for today. We desire it, and we ask for it, God, that you would do this work of meekness inside of us so that we can become the people of God that you desire us to be. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.